and uh, we are personally very excited about it. Uh, we're so thankful to have our family uh, with us, the ranking family. Could we give all the rankings a great big hand? This is our family. Amen. Brother John Ranking, could you just lift up your hand there? This is Sister Enos's brother, her, her little brother. Amen. Affectionately known as Uncle John and Aunt Mary. And uh, we are so delighted that they are here. And, of course, with this, Simon and Ashley, could you all just wave your hands over there? God bless Simon and Ashley. We love them. And are so grateful that they were able to come down from Indianapolis. And of course, y'all are, are y'all know Jake and Rochelle and Skyler and Chloe and Ava. Y'all just kind of wave your hand over there. They've been here a few times. And uh, we just love this family. Today, we are honored to have with us Brother Justin and Sister Kimberly Ranking. This is the oldest son of Brother John and Sister Mary Ranking. And uh, their children, Noah, Elijah, Micah. Some prophetic names right there. Amen. And uh, we're so delighted that they are here today. Brother Justin Ranking is the General Youth Secretary of the International uh, General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International. That is a, that is a uh, tremendous responsibility that he holds. And uh, anybody, anybody remember North American Youth Congress 2017? Anybody remember that? If, if you are not familiar, 35-plus thousand, 35,000-plus young people gathered together in Indianapolis, Indiana, and worshiped the name of Jesus Christ, and it was a beautiful sight to behold. And they're going to be doing it again in August in St. Louis, Missouri. Well, the guy behind it all is right over here, and he's getting ready to preach to you. Amen. And he... Is He is a part of a three-person executive committee that puts the North American Youth Congress together and oversees the International Youth Division. God has blessed him greatly. He has a wonderful ministry that he's going to be bringing to you this morning, and we're excited that he's here. He's here because this week he's going to be preaching to our teenagers of the junior high camp at Buckeye Lake in Ohio throughout the week, and God's going to bless them while they're there. We want Brother Justin Ranking to come at this time and preach the word of the Lord. Could you receive him with a warm tree of life? Welcome. God bless you. Amen. Why don't we continue to clap our hands to the Lord and just magnify him together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house on this day, to experience your presence and to hear from your word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I do want to say thank you um, to Brother Urshan, as we know him, Joel. <laughs> I, I hope I can say that all right uh, without being disrespectful. He's married to my cousin, Heidi, who you know as Sister Urshan. And we give them honor and thanks for the invite to be here, as well as to be with Uncle Arlie and Aunt Becky, who you, knew, you know as Brother and Sister Enos. And, of course, my family and my parents, and uh, I'm thankful to be able to be with my dad on Father's Day. It's a special treat to be here with my dad. My dad is not a preacher, but he preached with his life, and he still does. Dad, I love you. I'm thankful for your sermons that you, you lived with your life, and you still do. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. If you're here today because you're here to honor your father, thank you for doing that. 
Um, if you're here because this is just your normal habit or your normal routine, that's wonderful as well because this is a good place to be on a Sunday morning. Can somebody say amen? It's good to be in his house. I say thank you to the Tree of Life Church for the kind uh, room and the welcome basket and all those wonderful things. And it's great to see the faces of the voices that I get to hear that say amen on the podcast because I listen in to, uh, to Cousin Joel, I guess if we could call him that. And, and my favorite podcast to listen to is about the Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday after Super Bowl Sunday. Because there's nothing like seeing if the Lord would just bless him with a good word. And uh, I always enjoy texting him and saying, wow, you squeezed that one out of there, you know. And, uh, but anyhow, it is good to be here. Thanks to my friends, family for being here. And of course, I honor my wife and my children to be able to be with them. Now today, today is, is not about, uh, today's not about me and our family and, and, and like a mini family reunion. This isn't just some cute opportunity that I get to be able to preach today. But I, I believe the Lord's been stirring my heart over the last few weeks for somebody in this place that needs a word from the Lord. So before we hear his word, let's lift our hands one more time and ask his blessings. Jesus, your word as it is written is already anointed. It's already been put together in scripture. But Lord, as it is preached and received, there needs to be anointing. And there needs to be faith and hope and response that is mixed with that preached word. So I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the messenger as well as anoint those that are going to receive and that are going to come to this altar. And I believe lives that are going to be changed and people are going to leave with hope and people are going to leave with a message, Lord Jesus, that you care and that you're here to help, Lord. And we ask your favor and your anointing and let it all be done in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to reference scriptures throughout, but I don't have an opening text this morning. But today, I would like to speak to you on this subject. A father who can fix things. A father who can fix things. I remember my dad, sorry, I just got emotional talking about him, but I'm going to pick on him a little bit. And then put myself in the same category. I remember my good old dad trying his very best on weekend projects in that wonderful garage that had way too much junk. And uh, we tried and uh, we, had, we had rakes and shovels and three or four different lawnmowers in different garages. And I guess we got all that handed down from Grandpa Ranking. And it was just a, it's a wonderful experience there on 1702 East 75th Street in Indianapolis, Indiana. I remember my dad trying to fix so many broken things. Our family boat, that deck boat, 1920-foot deck boat, open bow, it was an incredible, incredible tool to use on Memorial Day and Labor Day. I, I tell you what, there's nothing like being on the water. My wife and I were just in Africa last week and in about the, the, a few days before that, and we went on a boat cruise, and we were in between the border of Namibia and uh, Botswana and Zimbabwe and seeing Victoria Falls, and I felt like I was at home even though I was thousands of miles from home because I have such special memories of the boat when it worked. <clears throat> when it worked. That good old 150 horsepower Johnson outboard motor, I knew exactly how to take the cover off that thing. I knew exactly what little levers to move. I knew exactly where that gas pump, I knew where all the tools were because we always were having to fix that Johnson outboard motor, it seemed. And it always happened to be when we were the farthest point from the house on good old White River. 
But my dad tried his best to always make sure it was ready when we had just about an hour, an hour and a half window of time on a good old Sunday afternoon in the summer when I wanted to bring my friends over to go kneeboarding or whatever we wanted to do, wakeboarding, and on the afternoon. And of course, as soon as we'd get out and we'd put the first person, throw that ski rope out, and they'd be ready. They'd have that, they'd have that slalom ski up in the air, or we'd be on that kneeboard. Well, boys, we got to pack it up and go back in. It wasn't meant to be. <clears throat> he had what I think was a blue Mustang at one time. I don't know what he was doing to it, but uh, we didn't live out on the property there yet. But I remember... I remember we were walking down the, down the gravel driveway and one of us happened to look back and we saw, we saw what looked like flames and it was coming out of the, the, the hood of the Mustang and it was engulfed in flames. And I remember I wasn't even much of a car guy, still not really much of a car guy really at this point either, but just knowing that that beautiful thing was going up in flames and I don't know what, I don't know what happened, Dad, if you left rags in there or there was just the right, we don't know, but he couldn't fix it. We had to call the good old Washington Township Fire Department and they had to come help us out. Are there any dads in the house that you could testify it seems that there's this, there's this unspoken rule that it seems that when we have to fix things, it's pushed on us. We're expected to know how to do minor home repairs and basic remodeling projects. And I can confess, hopefully you don't take any points off my man card, but I have to confess today that I find myself ill-equipped and unable to meet these expectations all the time. I, I haven't studied every home improvement book. I, I'm, I'm not uh, Bob Vila or Tim Allen. I, I don't know how to do all these home improvement things. I'm sure that you have vivid memories of your father or, or a father figure in your life of attempted home and car repairs and painting projects and landscaping, changing the oil. I think the truth is, if, if we would just be honest and kind of take a truth uh, serum today, we would all have to confess, men, that we feel very inadequate and perhaps unfit for those tasks. You see, fathers, since the beginning of time, have always been trying to fix things in our lives and in our homes. Even in the Bible, fathers had a difficult time trying to fix things far beyond landscape and far beyond painting projects. You see, the very first man that God created out of the dust of the earth when he breathed the breath of life into him and formed that man, Adam, he had problems with his own two sons, Cain and Abel. The one brought a good sacrifice to the Lord and the other one did not. And his countenance was, was, uh, was down because the Lord wasn't pleased with his sacrifice. And instead of being able to make things right and maybe, Ad I don't know, I wasn't there, but somehow Adam wasn't able to fix his son's lives and neither was Cain. And so Cain decided to fix it himself and he killed his brother Abel. From the very beginning of time, dads have been trying to fix family problems. Noah had to do his very best to keep his family inside that boat and keep them fixed and focused on the purpose of building that boat when rain had never even fallen. This week and last night, who'd ever thought the rain had never fallen? Some of us thought we might have needed a boat last night, or at least a tornado shelter. But here Noah had to try to focus to keep his boys on this project for something that they'd never heard of or never seen in their life. Here's a dad trying to fix the problems, not just his family, but to save the whole entire world at the time. Isaac's bad eyesight and judgment caused him to bless the wrong son. Jacob's sons couldn't get along long enough, and they ended up selling one of their brothers into slavery and lying about it in the coat of many colors and tearing it apart and deception and all that 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 caused of their family. 
King David and his sons argued and fought over who would have the kingdom after their great King David, after their father. I could go on and on and on, but some of us want to get to lunch today. Countless stories in the scripture that tell of fathers and dads and leaders of families finding themselves and their family in very tough and difficult situations. And can I tell you, if you have time to look at it in your personal study, there are stories of men of God and families of God that they eventually said, I can't fix it and I need a father who can fix things. The word for you today, Father, the word for you today, whoever is in this place, can I tell you, there is a father who can fix things. It might not be my dad and it might not be me. It might not be your biological father, but there's a spiritual father in heaven who is looking down on his people today and he can fix any problem. He can touch any difficulty today. There is a father who can fix things in your life. He can heal. He can save and he can deliver. Somebody say amen. You see, those who attempt to fix their situation on their own without surrendering it to the Lord, you will fail miserably. You will live in a state of dis, uh, disrepair and, and uh, you will live in a state of discouragement and depression. If you think, man, if you think, sir, if you think, ma'am, that you can handle it on your own, this preacher is here to tell you, stop trying to do it on your own. Bring it to the Lord today. Bring your finances to him today. Bring your lost children to him today. Bring your hopelessness. Bring your depression. Bring your discouragement and your habit to the Lord today. And I promise you, he'll help you. Somebody say amen. So what should we do as fathers and followers of Jesus Christ when we feel broken? What do we do with situations when we feel like they're out of control, like my recent home repair projects when I was trying to resurface my deck and we picked the wrong color and we just had to do it anyhow because I already spent the money? What do we do? I just had to paint it. I, I kind of just had to give in. Can I tell you today, you don't have to settle for a second best. You don't have to settle for what the devil's telling you and the enemy of your soul trying to tell you you have to live discouraged and that you just have to be an alcoholic and you have to be a drug addict because that's what your family history is. This preacher is here to tell you not to preach a prosperity gospel, but to tell you in that word, Jesus Christ always transforms people that his hands touch. His gospel will always transform your life. So if you're hungry and if you're thirsty this morning on Father's Day, you can leave out of these doors completely changed. Your life can be turned around. Your home can be turned right, by, right side back up if you just call on his name. There's problems that are greater than how to change your brakes on your car or the proper way to fertilize your lawn. But I believe in this place there are probably broken relationships and broken commitments and heart, hearts that are hurting and families that are suffering. But I can tell you that the Bible teaches that there is a heavenly father that can fix any issue in your life. He can repair any situation. Far greater than a YouTube video can. Far greater than any self-help book. Far greater than your true value hardware store. But this is a place of repair. This is a place of hope this morning. If you need help, I hope somebody's listening today that God is able to help your soul. Let's clap our hands. You see, the reason that I believe this is not just because I'm fired up and I've grown up in Pentecost and this is what we're supposed to do when we stand behind the podium. But the reason that I believe I can declare this to you today is that I believe there is a father who can fix things because he has the right tools to fix the right things. You see, I'm sure men that, um, 
I'm sure you can testify that there are just some projects that when you go to do them, you have to have a certain tool. I was trying to change the front brakes and rotors on my 2007 Honda Civic. Go me. And thanks to YouTube, right? I could not get, there was two Phillips-sized screws holding those rotors to that axle. And I could not, for the life of me, get those screws loosened. I was doing everything possible. I was just about to get the anointing oil and put it on there. Forget the, I'll use that motor oil and just say, Jesus, help these rotors come off. That's how desperate I was getting. So I turned to YouTube. And I asked it, how can I get these off? And they said, you need uh, and I can't even remember what the name of it, like a compact. I, I, I was hoping that my neighbors would see me laboring and they'd come help me, but they did not. So the internet was there for me. And so I was using some kind of a, I had to go get this tool from Menards and it was a compact whatever. I see, I, that just lets you know, there's a few more points off my man, man card. And so I'm hitting it with a hammer that I had to buy, right? An oversized hammer, because it said the heavier the hammer, the better the tool. And so here I am hitting it, and what it did is it slowly would turn that screw loose. And can you believe it? It, it worked! Because there's nothing like having the right tools. A father who can fix things has the right tools. Now, let's stop just a moment and think about this. Who are we talking about today? Is, is he just some second-rate Jesus? Is he just, um, just some other? No, I, I, if I remember right, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, he spoke not from nothingness and created everything. So... It, Whatever you need in your life, he can speak that tool into existence. You see, he's the one that went to the cross. I believe he's got a name that's above every other name. That at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Is there anybody in the house that believes you've got a father who can fix things today? You see, my, my little boy, he's in, my two younger boys, they're in Bible quizzing. And yesterday they were competing for Missouri District Finals and they get to go to the national tournament and they're very excited but they've quoted one of these scriptures during that quiz tournament over the last few days in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 one of the tools that the Lord has in his tool basket is neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved can I tell you there's a name that can save you today if you go down in the waters of baptism today there's a name that can take away your sins there's a name you can call on young man if you need salvation from something that's plaguing your life there is a savior that can heal you because he has the tool of his name he's got that in his pouch he's got that in his repertoire he's got a name that can save he's got a name that can heal he's got a name that can deliver can I get an amen can I get an amen you see I called on that name last night my wife was driving that was a bad time to pause. It wasn't her fault, but we came around 465 to get on I-74 on the southeast side of Indianapolis. And just under the overpass, there was this massive water puddle. And we hydroplaned, and I held on to my computer as I was typing notes, and I said, Jesus! And can I tell you, there was cars all around us. We couldn't hardly see what was going on, but he was right there because he's got his name. He's got his name that's got all power. It can save me. It can keep me. And it can deliver me. Can I tell you in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can somebody say amen? Let me just bring a few testimonies to you today. What if we asked the demoniac man who was, who was ripping himself and would, would break the chains and they would have to keep putting chains back on him. Why don't you ask him if he thinks that Jesus had the right tools to set him free? What if we pulled up Jairus' daughter? What if we pulled up Lazarus and asked, do you have the power to give life? I think Jesus has got that in his tool belt. He can deliver you from possession. He can deliver you if you feel dead in your life. What if we asked the lame man? Lame man? Does Jesus have the power to repair broken bones? Yes, he does. What if we ask the blind man, does he have power to restore sight? He's got that tool too. Can we ask Zacchaeus and the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? Can Jesus forgive? Can Jesus give a new life? Ah, yes, he can. He's got that tool in his belt too. Somebody say thank the Lord. I'm preaching about a man. I'm preaching about a heavenly father that's got every tool you could need. He can heal you. He can save you. He can deliver you. He can forgive you. Somebody say amen. amen. Ask the woman at the well if he's a counselor and knows exactly what you're going through. He told her the man you're with isn't your husband and the one you've had. Those aren't yours either. You've had, he knew what she was going through, but yet he spoke the words of life to her. And she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And he said, you, want, you don't want just this water, but I'm going to give you living water. What kind of counselor can do that for you but that Jesus Christ, that heavenly father that we're preaching about today? Can somebody know that he's got the tools in his tool belt, that he can help you wherever you are today? Why don't you go ahead and ask that religious man, his name was Saul of Tarsus, who he thought he knew. He was all high and pompous and mighty and thought he knew that he was going to crush this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing. But little did he know that on his way to Damascus with papers in his hand to kill the Christians, that he would have an encounter with that heavenly father, the almighty Jesus Christ. Go ahead and ask Saul of Tarsus, does Jesus have the power to give a powerful, life-changing conversion? Oh, yes, he does. Is there, can we just take a break right here and just, if anybody's ever been healed, if anybody's ever been delivered, if anybody he's ever counseled, is there anybody, once you wave your hand, it'd be all right if you stood and just thank God. Yes, thank God. Is there anybody that's ever been delivered? Maybe somebody around you needs to know the testimony of when the Lord counseled you. He reached into that tool belt and he said, I can fix that. I can help that. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. Is there anybody that's been baptized in that name? Is there anybody that's been filled with that spirit? Oh, yes, he's kept me. He's kept me. Oh, yes, he has. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's good. You may be seated. Let me tell you a quick story. It was the summer of... Uh, it was the summer of 2007. Summer of 2007. I'm working at the Oklahoma District Camp, and our uh, pastor emeritus, he passed away at our church there in Oklahoma. He was 90-plus years old, lived a great life for the Lord, served God faithfully, and did a great work in the Oklahoma District, Brother Deal. At his funeral, 
just after his funeral had concluded. During his funeral, I had felt this tremendous weight. With every pillar of Pentecost that we lose, us young men, we feel this weight and this, this mantle being passed to us. And I felt that at first, but then I began to feel this feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I didn't know if it was, you know, just the stress and the camp food of all week or what it had been because we had left camp and I'm sure Ohio campus food was better than what I had had of those few days in Oklahoma. No knock against the camp, but sometimes the budget restraints just... They can't quite fix Aunt Becky and, and my mom and my wife and my mother-in-law food because they've got a better budget than the camp has. But anyhow, it was, it was more than just what I had eaten, but there was some sickness that had come over my body. And uh, I had... I started to do what most of us would do, of course, pray and come to the front and get a prayer cloth anointed with oil. I'll have my pastor and others of the church, men of God, come pray over me. And I faithfully went down and began to be prayed for. And, of course, used modern medicine and doctors and went and had tests and scopes and different things done to see. And they could never find anything that was wrong. But I was terribly sick. I was very sick, and they didn't know what was going on. And thankfully, and this is just an aside here, thankfully I had been faithful to my job. And I, I, was, a, I was a good man that went to my workplace, and I had earned so much short-term disability that I was able to miss days and days and days of work and not lose as much pay as I would have if I hadn't been faithful to my job. We'll just leave that at that. Not your pastor, but that's just a good word for men to remind ourselves it's good to go and provide for our families. And to be faithful because that's a, there's a blessing in that. Amen. Let's move on. That's not the point of the sermon today. But as we're, as, we're sitting, as we're sitting there in the doctor's offices and as I'm at home laying on the couch and sometimes laying on the floor of, of, the, of the bathroom, not to be crude, but just couldn't get far. and it, it just, just feeling like I was just losing weight and just knives cutting through me. That there was, there was eventually a, a, a Sunday, as it would be. And it was the Sunday, it was the Sunday morning before we would all pack up and drive a hundred miles west and go to Oklahoma City for camp meeting. It would start on Sunday night back then. And uh, my pastor was the district superintendent. And so that meant those of us that were around him in ministry, we had to go with him and help him. And of course, we all wanted to be there for the opening of camp meeting, singing to the national anthem, the marching in of all the flags, the pomp and circumstance. And of course, first night of camp meeting, just, it's just like, who, who, nobody wants to miss that. And so Sunday morning, and I hate to admit this, would be one of those, and I hope we never have these or plan on these, but it was, it was one of those like, all right, let's sing our three songs, offering announcements, preach 25, pray, let's get out of here. Because what we're hoping for is camp meeting, right? And so there was a guest preacher, and he's preaching along, Brother Duffy. He's just preaching the Word of God. He's got his Bible open. He's preaching. I can't remember what he was preaching about, but he, but he stopped, and he said, somebody needs to be healed in this place. Just like that. And then he goes on preaching. Like, like it was a word from God directly to somebody in that place. Well, guess who it was for? And I'm sitting over there where the preachers were sitting on that very last seat. And he just keeps preaching along. And, and he stops again. Like, just like something came over him. It was the Holy Ghost, of course. And he, he would stop and he'd look at the crowd and he says, somebody needs to be healed in this place. And then he's preaching. He's not preaching about healing. He's not even preaching about faith. I don't remember what he was preaching about. But I do remember every time he kept stopping and saying, somebody needs to be healed in this place. I think it was about the fourth or fifth time when he stopped and he, every time his voice began to raise because 
because it was the Lord trying to get somebody's attention in the house. And he said, somebody needs to be healed in this place. I couldn't take it any longer. I stood up with my hands. And can I testify to you that from the very tips of my fingers, I began to feel the hot anointing oil of the Holy Ghost pour over me. It hit my face. When it hit my mouth, I began to speak in other tongues. When it hit my stomach, it pushed that pain. And I've not felt that same pain ever since that moment. The Lord healed me on that day in July 2007. He helped me. He fixed that when no doctor could. He fixed that when I couldn't take the right medicine. He healed my body. Can I tell you, he can heal your situation today. He's a healer. He's a helper. He can give hope and he can give deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A father who can fix things has the right tools. A father who can fix things is also dependable. He will never abandon you. And I'll be careful here, but unfortunately the state of our world has men and fathers and biological fathers who are abandoning children left and right. And this is not my job to address that. But those of us men that are in this room that we have fathered children, I hope that we are parenting those children and we are doing our very best to care for them. But even when all of us in our mistakes and in our shortcomings and in just mankind because we're selfish, can I tell you that there's a heavenly father who he has no selfishness in him, but all he wants is glory and power and praise. But who does he want it from? Not from a bunch of robots, but from children that he's freely pouring out his love and his hope upon. Can I tell you, a father who can fix things is dependable. And can I tell you, he will never leave you or forsake you. He will not abandon you. Can I tell you, he's been there when I've been at my worst moments. When I have abandoned him, he has never left my side. And you think to yourself, how could, he, how could you have ever walked away from God? All of us in this place could admit there have been times where we've not been where we should have been with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, he is right there waiting for you to run back. If you find yourself there today, there, the Lord is not here to judge you or to condemn you. He is only using his spirit to draw you and say, come on, I've not left your side. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. Come on, dad. Come on, mom. Come on, grandparents. Come back to me. I have not abandoned you. I've not left you. You see, Deuteronomy 31 and 6 can encourage us. Tells me, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, talking about their enemies. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What a promise. What a word that he's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to let me down, but I can depend on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13 also encourages me and tells me this in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 13, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is sometimes there for me. No, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. A father who can fix things, he's dependable. He's right there when I need him. He's there in my time of need. I believe he can even anticipate our needs, and he knows right what we need just when we need it. Somebody say amen. You see, a father who can fix things is very dependable. Always there, always on time. Life and its 
choices and just the path of life has taken me hundreds of miles from my biological father. And of course, there are times where I wish he could help me and remind me things he taught me. But I can't because of just physical limitations. But can I tell you, no matter if you're on African soils or Asian soil, wherever you are across this globe, when the Enuses were in Germany and other places, he couldn't even have mentioned where he was, taking Bibles to places that he probably had no business being except the Lord had him on a mission. Can I tell you that he called on the name of the Lord and he was there because he's dependable. No matter what region you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, young lady, young man, he is there for you. Somebody say amen. A father who can fix things is dependable. And then, a father who can fix things is ready to work. There is, there's something special. I wish I'd have had the pictures to put up here. I, I, I wish I'd have thought about it. It just hit me. There's something about church projects. And when, when the men of the church and the ladies are helping cook the food to give us nourishment. Or a good old campground project. There's something about, to me, maybe it's just because I, I, I'm kind of a more of an um, uh, emotional side in relationships, and I like to see people working together. I like teamwork. I like it when people are getting along. And There's something about when there's a group of men that have got tool belts on, and they've got their, they've got their uh, DeWalt yellow and black yeah, tools, and they've got their craftsman stuff, and they're all, I'm here, I'm ready. And they're getting splinters, and they got gloves on, and they got chainsaws, and, and they got all these tarps and paintbrushes and electrical wire clippers, and they, they got their safety goggles on if they're smart. And, uh, you know, some of them might have instructions out. The rest of them don't have instructions out. And there's just something about men being around a table. My, my brother, he gets to do this all the time in Indiana when they do church in the days, and I'm kind of jealous of him. Maybe that's, I guess this is the best place to confess jealousies behind the podium. Um, but he, he gets to go to all these church in the days. You remember when we were, boy, when we were uh, growing up at North Central High School, I always felt called to preach, and I just knew that's what God had for me. But he has always been intrigued with CAD and drawings and architecture. And so the plan was is that I was going to go open the churches, and he was going to build them. We could still finish it. We could still do that. We're still somewhat young. We're still both under 40. Just barely. And, um, but, but he gets to go to these church in a day projects. And if you've ever seen one of those time lapse or just see how many men are crawling all over that little square footage area. And there's walls going up. And then there's wires going through. And then there's insulation being thrown in. And there's something about watching just, just men work on this project. And when we were in Africa, we, we, we helped paint a school there. And, and these kids were just working, men and women alike. And, and they were just painting. And the, the teacher of that school, he came out and he just looked. He said, I've never seen a group of teenagers work so well together. Because we were working for a purpose. So, so think about if, if we, with our human limitations and our, our human inabilities and, and, and our, our short vacation schedules and our, our constraints of time, think about how we're ready to jump at a moment's notice if Pastor Urshan gets up and says, we got to redo this building or we got to redo this. You all would just be jumping to the occasion. 
Think about how the Lord is looking over heaven. Right, I think he's right here, and he's got his tool belt. He's dependable, and he's ready, and he's just waiting to see what need is going to come to this place because I think there's a heavenly father who's ready to deliver and take drugs out. I believe there's a father who's ready to say, come on, Dad, I'm going to forgive you of that sin you committed this week. Come on, Mama, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to help you with your babies this week. Come on, I'm going to help you with your finance. I'm going to take care of that bill. I'm going to take care of that city council for you this week. Come on, church. Come to that altar. I believe there's a heavenly father that's ready to work. He's ready. He's just waiting on us. He's just waiting on you. Oh, he's ready to pounce on that need. He's there with his Holy Ghost power tools, and he's ready. I believe he's ready to demolish what needs to be demolished and build up what needs to be built up and repair whatever needs to be repaired. Can somebody say Amen. Jesus was speaking to his fathers and or to his followers, excuse me, as recorded in Matthew chapter 7. He told them, Ask, and it shall be given you. Not be meek, not be mild, not just, oh well, I might need something today. No, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek for it, and you shall find it. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh find it and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you how is that possible how is it possible that when you knock and when you seek and when you're looking you're going to find it because on the other side of that knocking on the other side of that seeking on the other side of that asking is a heavenly father who said come on just ask me just seek for me i'm right here to help you through your inabilities i'm right here to help you with whatever needs you have somebody said amen And then he asks them, he looks back at them and he says, Or, what man is there of you, whom if his son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, you'd give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, in your human beingness, if I can make up a word, like President Bush once did, a time or two, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask of him. If we as men, if we as men know how to take care to the best of our ability, to our own earthly children and to the the people of the church, and no doubt many of you men, you would jump up if there was someone that came into this place to cause harm. I know there's security men all over this place because there's precious Sunday school children here. There's women who need protection in this place. And the men of this church, you would do everything in your power to protect them because of course you care for them. Think about how much more your heavenly father is wanting to give good gifts to you. He's just waiting for you to ask for protection. He's just waiting for you to ask for help. He's waiting for you to ask, can you do anything for me today, Lord? Earthly fathers, we know how to give good gifts. Even though some of us aren't good, good, gift, good gift givers, just ask our wives. But he does so much more. He's got the right tools. He's dependable. And I believe today he's just waiting. He's just waiting on you. He's just waiting on you. He's waiting on you to ask him. For what you need. Because a father who can fix things, he's ready to work. All of us, we'd be ready to jump on a church project. But I think the Lord is ready. He is ready to get into whatever need you have today. Hallelujah. 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 You see, it tells us. It tells us. And Matt, let me just give you a few more passages of encouragement. Forgive me for not starting my timer. I have no idea. But we're just going with it, right? All right? We don't got church tonight. So here we go. 
Anyhow, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come unto me, Jesus is saying, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, 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 take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 103, 13. I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to read some passages because the word of God never returns void. But it's going to bless you and encourage you. Like as a father pitieth his children or cares for his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. New Living Translation, just to understand it a little bit more, says it like this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Can I tell you, the Lord is just waiting for you to ask him to help in your situation. He will go before you. He will go before you. He will fight for you. So the next time that you find yourself lost and broken and hurting and alone, in fact, it's probably today. Remember that your heavenly father, he can fix that. He can take care of that. The next time your family feels like it's falling apart, don't try patching it together yourself. But just bring them into the presence of the one who can make things right again. And guess where the best place for that to happen is? Right here, today, right now. Would you stand with me as the musicians would come? And we're going to begin to conclude this message and begin to open a time of prayer and thanksgiving and bringing our knees to the Lord. There's this story in Matthew chapter 17 of a man, a father, who had a boy who was possessed. We read about it in Matthew chapter 17, and this is the passage of Scripture that kept rolling over and over in my mind thinking about today. I heard it when I was at a men's conference years ago in Oklahoma, and I've always put it in the back of my mind and wondered if the Lord would ever let me speak on this if somebody would ever need to hear it. And that preacher read from this passage, and it was kind of just like an aside, just a, just a comment. This wasn't his main message, but he read from this passage, and something jumped out to me. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 17. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. He's kneeling down to Jesus. And saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. And Jesus answered, and he said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Now, to all of us, we... When I've, when I've read this story, I've heard this story my, my whole life through Bible reading, and I, I just see a man who brings his son to Jesus because the disciples couldn't help, and so he's going straight to the source. He's going straight to the one. But what this preacher pointed out in this story is that we, we just hear the quick testimony of that father saying, he oftentimes goes in the fire, and he oftentimes goes in the water. How did that boy get out of the fire? How did that boy get out of the water? Well, Eli, dash up here. Dash up here, Eli, quickly. This is my middle boy. Here's the boy, and here's the dad. And when that boy would fall into the fire and would begin to have those seizures... 
Dad wasn't just sitting back waiting on Jesus to be there or somebody else to help. I think that dad was probably the one that was reaching into that fire, melting his hands and his face and having harm happen to him when he wasn't the one with the problem, but it was his poor child that had that problem. And then as that boy and him are walking along the shore, and maybe they're picking up sand dollars and starfish and throwing them back into the water or whatever they're doing, and that boy would begin to have those seizures and stumble into the water and the tide would take him out. Dad didn't just stand there on the seashore and look and say, who's going to help him? But that dad would have to get into the water and begin to swim and drag his boy out of that water. Come on, Dad. I think there's some of us that need to bring our children to the altar today. I think there's some of us that need to go to great lengths today. What are you willing to do, I ask you? What are you willing to do, Dad? What are you willing to do, man of God of your home? What are you willing to do with your issue and your problem? Are you willing to bring it to the altar to Jesus Christ and let him speak out whatever needs to be spoken out and let him speak in whatever needs to be spoken in? Come on, leaders of the homes. Would it be all right if you just join us at the front, even if you don't feel like you have any else, anything else to pray for? What if you came to the front and put your church in the hands of God for your, your important meeting you have this week? Maybe you could put that in the hands of God because he's a father who can fix things. What are you willing to do today to save your life and to save the lives of your family and your children? I wonder if you're there just following your problem and you're ready to pull it out of the fire. Are you ready to pull it out of the water? Are you ready to see what your life could look like if you'd bring all your shattered pieces to the Lord instead of trying to handle them yourself? Imagine that victory you could win this morning over sin and struggle if you'd allow your heavenly Father to take over the fight. Bring your family Bring your life, bring your need. Men, let's lift our hands without wrath and doubting. Let's lift our hands everywhere, calling on the name of the Lord. That's it, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, let's call on the name of the Lord. Come on, men, this church was built on the backs of praying men and women. Hallelujah, this church is built on faithful men and faithful giving. This church is going to go to the next level because of men who are willing to say, I'm a father who can't fix everything, but i got a father who can. I've got a heavenly father who can fix my family, who can bring my children back, who can help us raise the money to build this building, who can help us to have favor with the city. He can help us to have favor at our job and favor in our homes and help us with those that are lost and hurting in our community. Come on, men. Let's see it. Lift our voices. Ladies, you're welcome to come to the altar as well. Lift your hands. Because he's a heavenly father to you as well. He's there to guide you and lead you as well as you comfort your family. That's it. As the worship team leads us in song, let's lift our voices. Come on. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today. There's a father here who can fix your needs. There's a father here who can fix everything. <laughs>